I'm not sure what you guys thought of when you thought of um, the fear of other people. I'm kind of amazed anybody's here, <laughs> given that the topic is fear of other people, and there's plenty of other people here. Uh, but, uh, you know, I did, I, honestly, I found it kind of sad as I was preparing for this talk, and I was chatting to people and asking them about uh, what were the most common fears that they had um, while I was working out which, you know, fears to talk about. And so many people told me that the fear of other people is one of the most common fears they have. And I don't know about you guys, but that really made me sad. In, in Australia, which ranks as one of the safest countries in the world, we're all afraid of each other. We've met the enemy, and they are us. The fear of other people, whether they're like us, whether they won't, it controls so much of what we say, where we say it, if we say it, if we post it, whether we put it into practice at all. But if you brave the crowds today, you've come, you're hoping to hear that there is nothing to fear. Or you want a quick recipe for courage. Or if you want a pep talk on how to make friends and influence people, you might be a little disappointed. <laughs> this talk might be more a model of how to make enemies and how to disappoint people. I mean, you've already heard the Bible read for us. You've heard that the word Jesus has today for us is kind of a hard word. Not kind of. Do not fear those who kill the body. Fear him who, after he's killed, has authority to cast into hell. This is a really hard word. And I hope over the next 20 minutes that we'll see that here Jesus is speaking like a doctor to a patient in a critical condition. If a patient has no hope, there's no more use for hard words. But if a patient has a little hope, a doctor may, may warn and challenge and even speak of terrifying things to spur that patient into action. And the action that Jesus preaches here is an action that Jesus practices. I mean, if you want to meet someone who's not afraid of other people, come meet Jesus. I want to read you the part of the story immediately before the bit that was just read for us that we're going to look at today. Uh, so you can see that, that Jesus is free from the fear of other people. As the crowds were gathering to hear Jesus, he's a great speaker and teacher and done these amazing things. People want to find out what's going on. As they gathered, Jesus got an invitation to dinner from a Pharisee. Now, if you don't know who Pharisees are, uh, you need to think power, prestige, religion. These are rule keepers, pin-up boys for the religious right. They're wealthy and influential. Jesus gets a dinner invitation from a Pharisee, and he shows us all what it would look like if we were more afraid of God than we were afraid of other people. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, You Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as charity those things that are within, and behold, everything will be clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herb, and you neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, 
you insult us also. And Jesus said, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you lawyers, you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As Jesus went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. So Jesus is quite the dinner guest, right? It's kind of hilarious. Jesus walks into the inner circle of the most elite. And when the Pharisees are astonished that he doesn't keep their convention, he blasts them. Woe to you, Pharisees! He says, you love the best seat in the synagogues, but you are like unmarked graves that people walk over without knowing it. And then there's that lawyer. Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us too. To the lawyer, to the lawyer, the religious teacher. Did you see what Jesus said? You have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourself and you hindered those who are entering. Whoa, these are deep burns, ladies and gentlemen. Here is a man without fear of other people. Jesus doesn't settle for the status quo. He speaks truth to power. Jesus doesn't turn a blind eye. He unmasks those who look so good, but who live in lies. Jesus isn't controlled by fear. He exposes even the hypocrisy of the elite. Jesus is what it looks like to be free from the fear of other people. But I wonder, do we, do we really want to be free from the fear of other people? I mean, on the one hand, of course we do. We love to be able to speak truth to power, to confront even the powerful, no matter how much it costs. But on the other hand, the cost is pretty high, right? We know where it got Jesus, crucified to the cross. Other people are scary. I want pleasure. I don't want pain. Do we really want to be free from the fear of other people? Well, Jesus is worried that his disciples will feel the pressure to fit in, to fear other people. So as the Pharisees seek to kill him, as the crowds grow even larger, Jesus turns to his disciples first, and he warns them about what the fear of other people does. Hypocrisy. Jesus began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when the outside doesn't match the inside. You know, Jesus said, you Pharisees clean the outside of the dishes, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. Hypocrisy is when we edit ourselves, when we portray ourselves how other people want to see us. I mean, it's never been easier to erase our blemishes or to add special effects so that people will share our images, buy our products, like us. It used to be that we'd see something cool or funny in real life, and then we take a picture of it, and then we post it online. Now we like stage reality. We manipulate it, and then we take a picture because this, we know this will go viral. It's never been easier to buy things that we don't need to impress people we don't like because we have the money to tailor the clothes we wear and the face we present, dressing for their approval, dreading their displeasure. Hypocrisy is when we say one thing and we do another. I mean, 
I don't know if you can imagine anyone who talks big about loving others all around the world, but then they like rage at strangers in traffic, gossip about friends behind their back, or get irritated at the smallest stuff. Hypocrisy is when scientists and students fudge their stats, when we tell our boss that we're sick and we're not, when that guy who's always out volunteering in the community, well-respected, known by his neighbors, he comes home and his words are wounds for his wife. His children are at best neglected, at worst they know when to watch out. He's a saint abroad and a sinner at home. Hypocrisy is when we lie to each other, but we play at the truth. I mean, I say I'll come to that event, I promise, but then something better comes up, and I don't. My yes is a no. The homeless man asks if I have money to spare, and my no is a yes. And then with the same lying lips, I promise, till death do us part. Two-faced, two-tongued. Hypocrisy is when we weigh in on public gender debates on whichever side, but we search the internet on privacy mode and we pray that our history can be cleared. I mean, what would you do if you could turn invisible, if there were no consequences for the desires of your heart? I'm not sure how many of you have heard of Ashley Madison. It's a website whose slogan is, life is short, have an affair. It's a website, now an app, for when monogamy becomes monotony. Surely nobody who makes promises to their husbands or wives, nobody who stands in society, nobody here at the EU or church pastors or Bible college professors would, any, would do anything so sleazy. Well, if you read the article from Forbes, the first word you'll read are these. The Ashley Madison breach in 2015 ruined countless lives. 32 million adulterers or aspiring adulterers were exposed, including military personnel, prominent celebrities, and even pastors and ministry leaders. Suicides followed, including one 56-year-old pastor and seminary professor. I'm not sure if the name Rabbi Zacharias means anything to you, but there's no shortage of examples of powerful politicians, business people, and religious workers who've lived two contradictory lives. Jesus says, beware of hypocrisy, the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven just means yeast. It's so small you can't see it, but it works its way through the whole bread to puff it up. Hypocrisy works its way through everything, from the way we dress, to what we post on social media, from the words we say to the stuff of our sex lives, from the marginalized of society to the inner elite, from the hardest atheist to the most devoted Christian. Jesus speaks to his disciples and he warns that hypocrisy is always a danger. But Jesus is speaking to his disciples. So if you're not a Christian here with us today, can I just say we're so glad you're here with us. Um, some of you may have overcome fear to be with us. So we're really grateful you're here. And I'm kind of sorry it's been intense. It's going to stay intense a little bit. Um, it's maybe not what you expected from Jesus. But like the crowds listening in as Jesus warns his disciples, I'm asking you to listen in because this is what following Jesus looks like. I mean, what could hypocrisy look like here at the EU? 
Could it be that we love to debate religious ideas, to spit forth knowledge about this verse or that theology, but we won't go far out of our way to help others really understand? You know, once we've spoken our piece, we look good, so we feel good, and that's good enough. We believe Jesus loves everybody, but we spend our time with the people who look just like us. We publicly train others to speak about Jesus, but in my life, I won't go far out of my way. We speak of serving the disadvantaged. We pledge to serve the less resourced, the less reached, but we give nothing that costs us. And maybe we don't plan to. Isn't hypocrisy horrible? I've hated preparing this part of the talk today. Why would anyone live like this? Why do we say one thing and do another? And why am I talking so much about hypocrisy in a talk that's about the fear of other people? Well, I reckon that amongst all the mixed motivations for hypocrisy, greed, loneliness, and selfishness, surely fear of other people is one of the key motivators for hypocrisy. I think hypocrisy is fear at work. Hypocrisy is what happens when we're afraid of other people. We're afraid that if we don't look like that, if we don't say that, then they won't like us. We need to look, to do, to say whatever they want so we can get in, so we can stay in, or at least so we don't get put out with that crowd who's powerful and who we love. Friends, the fear of other people isn't an irrational fear. I mean, you follow the news, you've heard what's going on in Myanmar, China, Ethiopia, it makes it abundantly clear that the fear of other people out there is a warranted fear. Here in Australia, where sexual assault against school-aged girls, boys being forced to apologize for their gender, in an age where disagreement is construed as disapproval, in an age where everything gets reviewed. I noticed that even the Great Wall of China got a Google review, one star, too steep. <laughs> Kind of miss the greatness of it but we're always getting reviewed we're always being judged we're always wondering if we have enough likes to keep everybody liking us because negative reviews can destroy a business a stray tweet can bring down a career the wrong words can end friendships so what can be done about hypocrisy and the fear of other people and maybe you came today and you were hoping for a whole bunch of relational advice tips things to put into practice immediately, a whole bunch of rules or suggestions, 12 rules for life. Well, today what Jesus offers us is actually a complete worldview change, a complete change of perspective. Because Jesus doesn't downplay the fear of other people. No, he says those people, plural, can kill our bodies and maybe even drag us before kangaroo courts. Jesus doesn't downplay the fear of other people no, he points to something more fearful that we need to factor into our worldview. The end of hypocrisy. The end of hypocrisy. Judgment. Final judgment. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing's covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you've whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I'll warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Nothing's covered up 
that will not be revealed. Jesus isn't speaking here in like a proverbial sense, suggesting that most of the time liars will be trapped in their own lies, the truth will out, that people will be called to account in this life. I mean, we all know that that doesn't happen. Many hypocrites have died unexposed. Many Hitlers have escaped from paying for crimes in this life. No, Jesus isn't speaking in a proverbial sense. He's teaching what the whole Bible does when addressing the issue of evil. That one day there will be an end to hypocrisy. The Bible says there will be a final judgment. And I hope you noticed that here Jesus doesn't describe hell in any fiery detail. There's far more to say about hell than we have time for today. It might be a question that you have and want to ask later. But here, Jesus describes the judgments of hell as exposure. All the hidden things being opened up. There'll be no hiding hypocrisy on that day. Every secret, every lie, every hypocritical manipulation. As one writer wrote, Every lurid detail, sleazy fantasy, lazy word, and idle click will be broadcast in the court of the Creator. All the things done in secrecy and darkness we brought into the light, and every intent of the heart will be disclosed. It will be the ultimate humiliation. It will be the ultimate exposing of our heart's intents. It will spark the ultimate panic. And this exposure will lead to the ultimate denial when God finally says no. When the good God finally allows his anger at evil, for who could be good and not be angered by evil? When the good God finally allows his anger at evil to bring an end to evil. When the gates of heaven are closed to those who've locked themselves beyond forgiveness. When the culture of hypocrisy is canceled once and for all. And though the thought of hell is horrible, the hell Jesus teaches will be perfectly fair. After all, can one have ultimate judgment against terror without the terror of judgment? Can one have judgment against terror and the terrifying without the terror of judgment? Every denier will be denied. Exposure will be the fitting punishment for every hypocritical crime. Now, on the one hand, this is wonderful news for the innocent. Abusers, perpetrators, hypocrites will not escape. There will be accountability. No matter how much power those people had in this life, there will be a reckoning, as sure as Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. But this is terrifying news for the guilty. The problem is, if your conscience was pricked as mine was, as I preached on hypocrisy, this isn't good news. There's a sad little poem I read once by a lady named Alison Luderman. Let me be an oyster, hoarding pearl. Let me be coal, sheltering diamond. Though in my heart of hearts I'm afraid, I may be an onion. Each white circle of stinky tears hiding another exactly like it. Or rose, whose petals are her everything. If you worry about all of your pretense, if the thought of your thoughts and fantasies being projected like a speech bubble for all to see is a terrifying thought, 
if it would be less than pleasant for your search history, your conversations, every action you've ever done in secrecy to be paraded in the courtroom of history, if there is no escape, no heaven with just a little bit of hell in it, then final judgment is bad news. And that's why we need to hear Jesus speak of God, the fear who drives out fear. Because if you noticed, Jesus did not tell his disciples to be afraid of hell, but to fear God. But I'll warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he's killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. If you fear God, fear not. There's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus warns his disciples to fear God. He calls us to fight fear with fear. Yes, other people are scary, but God is terrifying. His power reaches where the mob is powerless. His authority extends beyond the grave to ultimate things, heaven and hell. It is God who determines our ultimate destiny. And we should fear God, not only because he's powerful, but also because he's good. Were you shocked like I was from the move from verse 5 into verse 6? Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? What? It's shocking, not only because it moves from, you know, something terrifying to something, well, birds. Not only because it moves from something massive, heaven and hell, to birds and hair, because this is who God is. A God who cares for birds. At the marketplace, used to be that five sparrows were sold for two small pennies. One bird by itself, too small to sell, no value. But Jesus says that God is a God who cares for birds. He doesn't forget a single one. Be honest, when was the last time that you sat to watch the sparrows? Do you care at all about the dirty pigeons on the street? I don't. But God remembers every single one. And if God cares for the smallest of sparrows, how much more does he care for you? Well, when we come to how much God cares for you, Jesus doesn't say, you know what? God cares for your important things, the important events in your life, like your birthdays, your weddings, your funerals. Jesus doesn't say God cares for the big possessions you have, the things you might get insured, like your, I don't know, your laptop, your car, house if you have one. Uh, no, Jesus says, what does he say? He says that God has numbered the hairs on your head. Now, I'm married, and I love my wife very much, but I have definitely not numbered the hairs on her head. Would your boyfriend or girlfriend do that? I don't think so. Nobody got time for that, except God. God has numbered the hairs on your head, every single one. And if God actually cares for the smallest things in your life, then Jesus doesn't have to spell out just how valuable you are to God. Now, this is shocking. This is shocking, not when we remember that we are just a speck of dust. One in 7.6 billion people on this planet just right now who will be here for but a short time and then be gone and forgotten. 
No, this is most shocking when we remember that we have all been hypocrites. I mean, the disciples Jesus taught, they didn't have it all together. That's why he was warning them. And it wouldn't be long before one of his disciples, Judas, betrayed him. It wouldn't be long before Peter, one of the closest friends Jesus ever had, who promised that he would die for Jesus on the night that Jesus was betrayed and handed over to be crucified. Peter denied Jesus three times. Certainly isn't like we've got it all together. We've seen that already. Hypocrisy is a leaven that's worked its way through all of our society and all of our lives. We all care far more about what other people think than we should because we all care far less for what God thinks than we should. Our view of other people is so big and our view of God is so small. And yet God still cares for every hair on my hypocritical head. He still values you and you and you. And we know that ultimately because of what Jesus did so many Easter's ago. This Jesus who came to heal the sick, to clean the unclean, to make the hypocrite whole. This Jesus, the Son of God who has authority to cast into hell. He came to face our final judgment, to be exposed in my place and to be denied in your place. Another part of the Bible puts it like this. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's why Jesus came into the world. He came into the world to be pushed out, to be rejected, to be denied, to be canceled by culture on a cross, to be exposed in his nakedness, forsaken and forgotten like not even the birds are forgotten. For you, being exposed in your place. For me, being denied deliverance in my place. He took hell and all the judgment of God, so that if we trust him, we don't have to. Now this is amazing grace. Amazing grace, that song written by John Newton, a slave owner who found forgiveness and turned abolitionist. He wrote this song which goes, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. If you fear God, fear not. There's nothing to fear. Do you fear God? Because fearing God means turning from your hypocrisy, confessing it to God, experiencing the forgiveness that Jesus has won for you, experiencing his care for you as he warns you in this life and the next. Because the God who was denied by his hypocritical friend Peter died to forgive him, then founded his church on the same apostle who denied him three times. Jesus chose Peter, the hypocrite, because Jesus came to heal the sick, 
to clean the unclean, to forgive the hypocrite and to make him whole, to set us free from hypocrisy and the fear of other people so that we might confess. Because confession, confession is how the fearless live. And I tell you, everyone who confesses me before men, the son of man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. These verses just reiterate, they say again, that our relationship to Jesus and to his Holy Spirit determine our ultimate destiny. When Jesus speaks about denials now that lead to denials then, when he speaks about blasphemy now that leads to no forgiveness then, he's speaking about final choices. We've already seen Peter, who denied Jesus three times, was forgiven because denial was not his final decision. Until the very last moment, there's still time to turn to Jesus. Today is a good time to turn to Jesus. Now, if you're not a Christian yet and you're here with us, this talk may have left you with a bunch of questions. Can I encourage you to ask those questions, to chat to the friend who invited you or brought you along or come chat to me? We'd love to help you answer those questions. One thing you could do uh, if you wanted to find out more, you could join a Bible study. Uh, you could um, come along to ANCON. Um, yeah, don't put off the questions that you have. Or maybe Jesus' words have rung true to you today. Maybe you know that you need forgiving for all of your hypocrisy. Maybe you want to experience the forgiveness of Jesus and the power that he has to make hypocrites whole. And if that's you, can I say again, please don't waste this moment. Don't waste today. Please speak with me or the friend who brought you afterwards. Today is the day to turn to Jesus and be free from the fear of other people by the greater fear of the good God who cares so much for you that he himself was exposed and denied for you. But for the rest of us, I don't want to minimize the challenge that Jesus gives us here. In the end, we can't reject God and enjoy his heaven. Pharisees will be unmasked. Jesus did not come to die so that Pharisees would remain Pharisees, that hypocrites would remain hypocrites. He calls you and I to turn away from our hypocrisy, to confess Christ no matter what the cost. If you were put on trial for being a Christian today, would there be evidence to convict you? It's not enough to have Christ in your heart. You must confess him with your mouth before other people. And Jesus promises that when the costs are high, even being dragged in front of the court of popular opinion to be canceled, he, his very spirit, will take anxiety away by providing the words to say. Will you trust these words of Jesus? Will you trust these words of Jesus as you walk into that conversation you're afraid of? Whether it's walking into that interview, facing conflict with your family, walking up to strangers hoping to share Jesus with them, 
Whenever you're afraid of other people, will you remember these words of Jesus? Will we allow the people we're so afraid of, who seem so big, to grow small as we remember the God who has authority over our ultimate destiny, the God who has numbered every hair on our heads? Brothers and sisters, it's time for consistency and courage. Jesus was denied and exposed for us, and he sent his spirit to fill us with the fear of God so that we will not be hypocrites, afraid of other people ever again.